everyone and welcome back to One Mic Night, the podcast that brings you inspirational and personal stories of artists and their journey in entertainment, helping to guide, answer questions, and motivate your path in the business. My name is Marcos Luis, I'm your host, and in this episode, we have a fantastic artist. You're listening to his music right now, and I gotta tell you, it's giving me life it's Hispanic Heritage Month, and I wanted to play that for you so you get a little sample of the variety of the music that he does. He is an international recording artist. He's a singer, songwriter. He's an actor. He's a model. He does it all. Please welcome Robert Ball to One Mike Night Podcast. Hey, Robert, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Oh, man, I love that song. Thank I love you. it. Yeah. Your music has such a wide variety, and the remix of this song is fantastic. How did, how did you come up with that? Actually, it was a producer that I met at an event uh, maybe two years ago, and he and his record label executives were saying that they were looking to work on some Latin remix type music. Um, and I was expressing how I love Latin music, I love Latin culture. Um, and it just kind of, the synergy was there, the synchronicity, the timing worked out, and we worked on four different songs. That's one of them. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. So take us... Uh, give us a little history about who you are. You're, you're from Canada, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where born in Canada? And, born and raised in Toronto. Okay. And uh, come from an incredibly artsy, quirky, nerdy family. <laughs> I went to performing arts school starting in nine years old, up until I graduated high school, started getting gigs right out of high school. Thought I would take social work for a year. That didn't work. Uh, <laughs> is that usually the case? You find some some day you just find out this doesn't work for me. Right. You know exactly. too busy. Yeah, I love exactly. that. And uh, yeah, been been gigging and performing and touring and traveling ever since. So the schooling was in Canada or it was here in the States? In Canada, in Toronto. Okay. How long have you been in the States? Um, I'm actually back in Canada. Back in Canada? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was there from 2007 to 2017, 2018. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then I was like back and forth for that year. And then I booked the Stratford Festival uh, here in Toronto. So I'm in Stratford. If you know the Stratford Festival, it's, um, it's a repertory theater company. It's actually the largest repertory theater company in North America. Mm -hmm. um, and I had started rehearsals when, you know, Rona hit. When this whole thing hit. Yeah. Was it, is it a musical or is it um, straight theater? That you're doing a musical so the Stratford festival is known for its shakespeare plays that's where it right. got started um but musicals as we know tend to bring big audiences so that's kind of been um, a big part of the festival for the last couple years mm -hmm. couple years now uh so i was set to do a brand new musical called here's what it takes as a lead character named brent and then uh, my secondary show would have been chicago oh wow okay how is it how's canada versus the u.s in terms of work for you and i don't mean like personally do you work more there i mean like is there a different feel to the to the work that you get there versus what you would do here in the states 
Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. In terms also- of like, it's been really interesting because I've been getting a lot of um, commercial stuff, TV stuff here, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the the access to live music, it's certainly limited, and that I don't get as much of here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it is really interesting, and I mean, like, there's just nowhere like New York in terms when it comes to live music. You know that, right? I was gonna say, do you think it's because of New York and because of the nature of New York? You know, Absolutely. that's what it is. Yeah. Absolutely. And don't get me wrong, there's incredible musicians and artists in Toronto sure. and out of Toronto. We know that globally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just in terms of how saturated the New York music scene is, right. you just can't get that anywhere else. Right. Yeah, we're at a crazy time right now, too, you know, because like there, you know, theater and, and music has stopped. Broadway's not going to open until 2021. And that's that's the life of New York. Night, nightlife, restaurants, Broadway. That's what people come here for. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's taking, you know, we've taken a hit. What have you been doing during this time to, to stay creative, musically or, or acting or? You know, I haven't really, I've been staying active, but the creative aspect, I admittedly, it took me a while. The first couple of weeks, I was like, oh, this is a working vacation. Mm-hmm. You know, so I sat down and started writing, writing some stuff that I'd been putting on the back burner and honing some things. Uh, there's a producer who reached out to me to work on some uh, some stuff that I started writing and then left it alone. Um, but mostly what's been keeping me active is activism and, and advocacy. So I'm on the steering committee for the Black Gay Events Network of Ontario. That's brand new. That kind of, I walked into it as I got back. Mm-hmm. And um, so we, we, we've been doing online, online programming since the beginning of the pandemic. And then of course, the current Black Lives Matter movement, um, our mandate kind of started to push there as well. But then also with the Black actors of Stratford, we got the wonderful opportunity to take over the Stratford Festival social media. We had a, a hashtag in the dressing room trending across Canada. We did a panel discussion on YouTube that's been now viewed 28,000 times. Wow. That's led to some other talking opportunities and online opportunities online performance opportunities which has been pretty cool and now that we're in phase three phase two and then now phase three i've been doing some uh porch side concerts and distance in-person concerts which is really cool right do you like doing that i mean i know you really have no choice but is do you like doing it i like doing this you like doing this okay yeah but in but doing the live stream concerts if i'm set up with a band and that which I haven't done yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be doing one of those October third. It's just been me and my computer and like uh, and the and the tracks. I do it because I love to sing and I love to be able to share. And if it's a live situation where people are chatting back and forth and that's mm. feel kind of like that engagement and that right. But no, I don't love it. Right. That I can understand. I mean, just as a performer, you know, the reason why we do it is because we want the live immediate feedback. We need that connection, you know, to the arts and to the to the people watching and, and to the people performing with us. Even yeah. the band, you know, we need that connection. It's important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Where do you where do you see this whole thing going? I mean, it's so uncertain right now. Like, is there going to be a huge shift in the way we do things? Or do you think we're slowly going to get back into the whole the whole thing i think it's going to be both i think the world has learned how quickly they 
they, we can adapt. Um, it's been an interesting shift online. We've already kind of been slowly shifting online for years now with smartphones and all of that other stuff. Right. And I think we've learned how we can adapt and how much we can do online and virtually. So that's going to be interesting to see how, how much of that maintains. People are so desperate desperate for human interaction and connection. They're desperate for the arts, which is great. So hopefully the world wakes up and realizes the, nece the necessity of that. Mm -hmm. But um, I think it's definitely gonna be a balance of the both because the, the few uh, in-person distance performances that I've done, they sell out, people are there, people are excited, whether they have to bring their own chairs, whether they have to bring their own masks, because right. people are hungry. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I see it slowly happening here, too. You know, a lot of artists are just going to the streets now and, you know, out in front of restaurants or whatever. And people are just flocking to the, those performances because we like that. We need that. You know, we yearn for that now. We do. We really do. I want to talk a little bit about what you were saying before, you know, the activism. How important is that to you? Just being an activist in, in, in the community. It's it's very important. And you know, I've, I, I never saw myself as such. Mm -hmm. I never thought that I would be kind of pushed into that, into that um, position, but oftentimes our being is activism. Mm. What do and you mean? Just um, navigating through space as black folks, me as a, as a gay man mm -hmm. as well, mm -hmm. just being in space and maneuvering through life, our being is activism, especially in certain scenarios and certain environments. Even in the arts, though, people think, oh, yeah, it's, it's we're welcome in the arts. No, we still have to navigate that space. And if we're true to ourselves and honest, then our just being in those places is activism. Sometimes we might be firsts and we don't even realize it, you know? Right. Um, or following in the path of somebody who was the first or being an example to somebody else who hasn't seen themselves. Um, so that's really important to me. The The... The current activism and being more vocal about it is important because um, I've just learned that I'm a, that I'm a, uh, an action person, and so I don't really think about the the potential ramifications or the uh, until after the fact. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so I'm realizing and I'm owning that 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 part of me. Has that been a good thing or a bad thing for you? It's been a good thing. It's been yeah. rewarding. It's definitely made me feel um, engaged, have a sense of worth and excitement in this time where I'm completely isolated and I'm not doing what I know that I've called to do and I love to do. And it's definitely made me, uh, helped me have purpose. I love that. I love that. I think, you know, right now you're exactly right. This is where we are. You know, we can talk about all these things we need to do and we need to do this or just talk about an issue but it's the, the importance of taking the action that's actually going to revolutionize what it is. Mm -hmm. And if you're an action person, that's you're the one that we want on the team. You know what I mean? Um, how do you feel about what's, what's going on right now? Um, Brianna Taylor, just, you know, the $12 million win. Is that enough? So I watched the speech um, and she said it so beautifully. It is an absolutely uh, significant statement. It is a very powerful statement because mm. it is acknowledgement of wrongdoing. Right. However, no, it is not enough. It, it feels like, and I'm not them, I wish I had $12 million shit. Right. But um, 
but it feels like blood money, right? Right. Like it's it's like hush money. Right. Um, it's not justice. It's right. an acknowledgement of wrongdoing, absolutely, but it's not justice. Right. How do we reach justice in cases like this? How do we reach what what is the justice? Obviously, a, a life you can't put a price on it. Twelve million dollars helps. Can't bring back the life. You know. What no, do we I do mean, next? She said it perfectly, and I, I don't remember the woman who spoke at the at the press conference, but um, she said that an indictment, a trial, um, ideally they will arrested and a trial and they go to jail. That, that would be number one. But at the very least, that they get fired from their jobs. They should not be able to. Mm, yeah. Especially sure. when, the, when you see the trail of, of, of injustice in that scenario. How do we wipe it out? I mean, I know, you know, here in New York, they're looking for uh, defunding the police. Is it really defunding or is, you know, do we need a reorganization and allocating those funds to certain things to help the community or what, what do we do? Well, that, that conversation is happening everywhere. It's happening in, in Canada and Toronto as well with defunding. And I think it has to do with language. And I think it's important that the people on the front line, the activists and advocates continue to explain what defund means. Um, and the community starts to understand what defund means. Defund means just that. It doesn't mean eradicate the police. Right. It means back on the funding of the police so that money can be allocated to other, as you said, to community services. Why is there more money? Why are we policing people before we educate people? Mm. Yes. Why are we policing people before we house people and inform people and create opportunities for people? So if we defund them, cut back on the money that they get and the resources that they get because they don't really need, uh, in many cases, that much, um, then that money can go to places where it is, is needed. Exactly. What do you think about in terms of, you know, the entertainment industry and, and racial relations there? Do you think that um, we're making headway? Have you had trouble? <laughs> <laughs> I know I have. <laughs> had trouble, right? Right. Yeah. 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 You know, I... The conversation that we had with the Black actors at Stratford Festival was the key is people in positions of decision. Yes. You will always be in front of the camera. We will always be on stage. That's always been the case. Mm -hmm. From when we weren't allowed to come in the main entrance, had to come through the back door. Whether it was the Chitlin Circuit and it was all Black folks and, you know, the white folks were sneaking in to go see those shows. We will always be in that capacity. But in the decision-making places, mm -hmm. that's the problem. Because, for example, you're an actor as well, so you know, I know, if I see a breakdown and my agent sends me something and they're looking for a black guy, I know if those casting directors close their eyes, I'm not necessarily the vision of what a black guy they're seeing. Right. Because they have this idea of what a black guy looks like. Um, so even if it's simple things like that, we're not in the decision-making places. Or when it comes to how people, I was in an acting class, online acting class recently, they were talking about um, universality in terms of mannerisms and uh, and uh, physical, physical expression. And I made the point, I was like, it's not really universal, it's actually white Western. You know, mm. when about the majority of the world is Asian. Yeah. And their physical mannerisms, their ideas of, 
like in South Asia, a lot of they have a lot of head movement. In um, in East Asia, um, you know, there's there's different physical physical like I can't think of any offhand, but there's different different physical communications. Um, I think about in Caribbean culture, if I go, I'm not giving a kissy face, I'm pointing to the thing over there. That's not universal. Right. right. So how do you have people in positions of power who understand culture, who understand race, who understand all of that other stuff? Because it does trickle down and it affects us. And so, yeah, sure, we're getting more opportunities, but sometimes it feels more stifled and more more, more um, frustrating in, in, in the positions as the actor or the person on stage because you're like, well, am I a trope? Am I just a, a you know, what am I now? Right. Yeah. I would say we're making a little bit of headway too. I have to agree with you 100%. We are making a little bit of headway. And I think it's not until we start to own these production companies, these record labels, uh, you know, be in charge of marketing and deciding who we're putting out as an artist, which then brings me to another point. Do we even need those now in terms of music because we're of a digital age? Um, but, you know, that's when we start making the stories and the content and the music and the things that we want to make for us and it becomes you know more important i i think we do still need some kind of entity you're right we live in a digital age where you don't necessarily need the same labels and like you did in the past however mm -hmm. when you look at you know um systemic racism and where the money lies there are artists who um really have record labels or who have really done well independently because their parents own, because they have money, right. they have right. Um And a lot of times that's not black folks. And then I think it was Melba Moore who said it really well on social media, how they, 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 they want, they want R&B, but not from us. Oh yeah, <laughs> true. As well that they want our rhythm, but not our blues. And listen, I've said a lot that we couldn't expect that people in the 50s and the 60s who fought to go mainstream and to have their music heard, their music has now influenced a generation. So everyone's going to have that in their kind of musical sensibility. Great, fine. But when Black folks are, are excluded from that mm -hmm. or other from that, then that's the problem because it's literally come up from our very experience, our blood, sweat, and tears. And so that's where I kind of have issue with the music industry, where I feel like Black artists still need support whether that be in terms of labels or something else in a different capacity and independent artists as well really, really need support. And most like, I think it was during the beginning of the current Black Lives Matter movement that people were calling out uh, the Grammys. When was the last time the R&B performances were, were televised live? The awards and the Right, true, true, you so know? true, yeah. Um, so I think that's that is significant, and Black artists really do need uh, support. Again, whether it comes from labels or other granting services, who knows? But I believe that that's something that we still need to um, help keep in the playing field. Absolutely, I agree with you. Let's talk about some some music from you. Okay. Now, I was uh, how are you? How are you with? visualizing your music in terms of videos is it something you like to do or is it just do you when you write your music is it are you thinking about the video in your head the visualization in your head or you are they two separate entities for you it depends i tend to i tend to write most of the time when i write it's like vomit so um 
when I say that, it just, it all comes up. It's not a labored process. Mm -hmm. So um, my single, Breathe, well, that whole EP, Need, which came out in 2017, that whole thing came to me. I was in London, England for a month, and I wrote that whole thing there. And Breathe came to me one night coming home from a bar. And I heard all of the harmonies, all of the musicality, I, I did see a visual. The visual, the, the music video that I did for it was slightly different from what I saw, um, but I definitely did see a visual. And my most recent single, River, which came out in 2018, uh, I very distinctly have a visual in mind. That, and the visual, that song came to me in the dream, actually. I had to wake up out of my sleep wow. and record it in my voice notes. And the visual was connected to that. So I actually still, I've been talking to a choreographer friend of mine, and I recently connected to a videographer. So even though the song's like two years old, I still really want to do a visual for that. I gotta say, Breathe, just exactly that. It almost took my breath away, the visual, because, well, first of all, where was it shot? It was shot in Curacao, Aruba, Bonaire, uh, Barbados, Miami. Wow. And I'm forgetting one. That's why. That's why. Like, stunning, stunning. Along with the lyrics and the music, just stunning video. Everyone, make sure you, make sure you check out Breathe by Robert Ball. Please. You, stunning. Thank you. And then the second one, River, that you mentioned. The, oh, my God. The vocals on that one. This took me to a whole nother level, the lyrics and the vocals. Make sure you check out River Also by Robert Ball, another incredible song. Wow, I think I saw, um, was it a live performance or a studio performance of River? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Thank incredible. you. Incredible, yeah. That song What's, is really special to me. <laughs> like, I can't, you can't really ask for a general inspiration for things like that. I mean, where do you, where do you pull the, the lyrics and the inspiration for for the music and you kind of mentioned it before yeah that but, one like i said it came to me in a dream and mm -hmm. i was it was it literally was a dream so i saw when you ask about the visual aspect i it was the story that was happening and the, then i as i was having the dream and the visual i was paying attention to the music that was happening in the background and i was like oh wait that's when i realized oh this is my song this is me so i got up out of my sleep and i recorded it um, and that song for me was, um, so there's, you hear the tribal instrumentation and that, mm -hmm. that was really important. That was part, that was in there. Um, and so when I presented it to my musicians, I was like, so I'm thinking like a guitar driven, funky kind of bass. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Guitar-driven, funky bass, and 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 tribal uh, percussion, and and that's what kind of drove it. And and then the, the drummer that I that I've worked with for years, Marito Marquez, he's from Portugal, mm -hmm. um, and he's just incredible. He's a multi-instrumentalist, so he also plays kalimba. So he layered some kalimba on top of that, which gives it a, this ethereal kind of feel to it mm -hmm. so i actually call that song narnia it's it's like stepping yeah. into a whole other world hmm. wow yeah incredible incredible 
Where do you see what's next for the music for you? Do you have something well, you're, you're um, turning around in your head or are you just waiting for that day that it just inspires you and you just vomit? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Well, um, you know, there's the, the Latin tunes with G Fusion is the producer. Those songs are, are two of which are out. The other two are going to be coming out. Um, there's another artist, T. Jaws Lewis. Uh, he's a jazz artist. I just recorded two songs with him before the, the lockdown. And so one of those is coming out as a sim single in the next couple weeks. Mm -hmm. And that's called um, uh, Love, is on, Love is on the Way. And then, uh, you know, yeah, I'm waiting for the inspiration to hit. But you know what's funny? Last night, for the first time in the last six months, I sat down and worked on music. Wow. Yeah, three three songs that were in my voice memos. I just started kind of passing them out and cleaning them up and putting them on GarageBand. There's a musician that uh, lives not too far from me in Stratford. He's the wife of one of the actors who would have been in the show with me, husband mm -hmm. of the actor. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, we, he performed with me at the most recent concert. So I'm thinking of tapping into him and seeing if he wants to work on something. Wow. That sounds good. What would you say to a young Robert being where you are now? Any kind of advice you'd give to, to yourself or to anybody else, the people listening, the young artists listening now? Yeah, invest in yourself earlier. Mm, say it again. Invest. Say that again. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I didn't learn that till late. Right. How so? I mean financially, but I mean classes. Um, so if you want to diversify, don't just think, oh, I got this. Take voice classes. I mean, I coach, but I still, as a singer, I can take class as well. But uh, take acting classes, do all of the above. Take dance classes if you want to do theater, even if you don't want to. It just broadens your depth of what you can present and how you perform and create art. Yes. Uh, but invest in yourself financially and that might mean, you know, I love to use the examples of Master P and Tyler Perry. And people might feel how they feel about either one of them, neither here nor there, but they're both self-made for interesting ways. Master P literally got in his car, this back when we've had CDs and sold CDs out of his trunk and then spiraled around and just slowly started making circles, selling CDs out of his trunk from one city to the next until his CD hit the charts. Um, that took him, he got an inheritance, and so he was able to invest that back in himself. But that also took the investment of time. So time is an investment as well. Yes. Money. So there he's you go. by certain things. And so when I say investment, it's the gauntlet. Classes, time, money. But just thinking about yourself and also investing in your well-being, your health, your spiritual well-being, your mental well-being, your physical well-being. That is super important. That's really, really important because this business is no joke. You know, there's a lot of no's, a lot of no's, and you have to be strong enough to take that and accept that, you know, it's not necessarily a character flaw, it's just the nature of the business. And you have to be strong enough to, to take it and bounce back Absolutely. and keep going. Yeah. yeah, wellness is definitely a factor. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, I'm gonna put you on the spot. If you'd like to sing anything for us, if you don't want to, that's fine too, because we already heard that beautiful song in the intro. 
<laughs> it's okay. Don't worry about it. Okay. Where can we find you on social media? That's the big question. At Robert Ball Music. Mm -hmm. That's all the social media. At Robert Ball Music is the Instagram, the Twitter, Facebook. Uh, Robert Ball Music is my website. And all the music is online. Spotify, iTunes, Tidal, and wherever you stream online. Well, thank you very much, Robert Ball. I, it's been a pleasure. I'm so happy to have you here finally. Thank you for coming to One Mic Night. Thank you for having me. It's yes. Pleasure. Pleasure is mine. Everyone, please make sure you follow Robert Ball on all social media. Go to the website. The links are on the website. Download the music. It's on all major music platforms. Um, this is One Mic Night. You can follow us at One Mic Night, O-N-E-M-I-C-N-I-T-E. And also make sure you like our page on Facebook. We're creating an artist collective and we're gonna have a place where you can go. And if you need uh, musicians for a gig or you know you have a casting or whatever, we're gonna create that for you too. My name is Marcos Luis. You can follow me on all social media at Marcos Luis, M-A-R-C-O-S-L-U-I-S. Go to the podcast. This is the visual. You can see this on YouTube, backslash one mic night. And check out some of the videos from past 2006 on. Lots of videos on there for you of artist performances from all over the world. Thank you for joining us for this episode of One Mic Night Podcast. We'll see you next time.